Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? In the season's worst conditions, winter tires are a game changer. They elevate traction, control, and confidence. They sell only the best, like the full line of hand-cooked tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to your one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, We're joined now by Jeff Schwartz. Usually he joins us on Wednesday. He's out in L.A. Uh, He is up early with us. Appreciate you joining us here on the Friday edition of Outkick the Coverage. How's the family trip to L.A. been so far? It's good. Like you say, when you go on a, on a, on a trip, when you take your kids somewhere, it's a trip. When you, when you just go, you and your wife, it's a vacation. It's been good. We went to Disneyland for the first time with my son, my daughter on Monday. Um, ton of fun. They enjoyed it. We, my wife did a smart thing. We ended up going to a breakfast beforehand to see all the characters. Yes. So we got that out of the way. So when we got there, there was not a need to stand in line for an hour to take a photo with Mickey because we'd already done that. So it was really good. I was surprised at actually how good my kids did. Um, and uh, we also we hit Legoland, and it's uh, it's been a fun trip so far. How was the crowd at Disneyland? It was sparse. I mean, they it was probably uh, less than I than I've seen since I've been there. But the stroller situation was, oh my God. There was a lot of strollers, and they and do a great job of of, of a parking. So, like, there's people there whose job it is to organize strollers outside a ride. It's oh, it's unbelievable. And also, you're. I think we talked about this before. When I, every time I've been to Disney World or Disneyland, and I've taken my kids to both, the number of fat people who ride around on scooters is an epidemic. I'm sorry, being fat is not a disability. Like if you cause your own disability, you can't then take advantage of it by getting on a scooter and getting to cut in line in front of everybody else. And I'll be damned if I don't see insanely fat people with like one of those huge turkey legs. Uh, like riding around on a scooter with like a turkey leg the size of a normal man's leg, like just gnawing away on it, like making their disability even worse. Like you can't get super fat and be allowed to cut the line. Like I don't understand like why that's allowed at all. And they're everywhere zooming around on those scooters. There was someone. There was someone who cut the line for the submarine ride. You have to walk down a spiral staircase. So he was in a. He was in a motorized wheelchair. 
who then had to get off his wheelchair, walk down a spiral staircase into a submarine, you know, do the ride. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I just, I, yeah, it's funny. When I was talking to my mom about this, who just retired as an attorney. She said that now that they're starting to rule that obesity can be a disability um, just by itself, like not the other parts of what happened when you get fat. I thought it was kind of interesting because um, I think we agree on that. Like if you become fat and, and you get, you know, you have diabetes and other, uh, other complications, is that kind of on you? Obviously, we know people have issues, and, and there's a reason why some people... Yeah, like know, if, you're legitimately, if you're legitimately disabled, I don't have a problem right. with you being able to cut the line. But I can't tell you the number of times. And by the way, every fat person brings like 10 people with them, and you've been standing in line, and look, people are like, what about Fast Pass? Well, you can get a Fast Pass, but then when you get a Fast Pass, like it's even, you know, like you only get a limited number of them or whatever. So you inevitably, if it's a crowded park, end up standing in line for a while. And I can't tell you the number of times I saw just groups of people who were following one fat person just cut everybody in line. I'm like, can I rent a fat person? Like, why is this allowed? <laughs> At Disney World and Disneyland, like we have to restrict in some way the ability to cut the line. And I'm sorry, to me, I draw the line at just being fat. So I stuttered as a kid, and I was told I could get a disability pass oh, that's... and cut the line for, for stuttering when I was a kid. I obviously didn't do that. But man, like my ankle's a little jacked up. I'm gonna try to get me a scooter next time I go to Disney. Because the, the, the line situation, like when I when I when my kids are old enough to to appreciate Disneyland, I'm gonna do the VIP thing one day, just so we can hit all the rides. Um, and and that's it. You can pay like day. if you're if you have the money to do it, you can pay to have a private guide, and you just get put on the front of every line. You get to go behind the scenes, like they they drive you around in a cart. That and that costs. I mean, I think it's like a thousand dollars an hour or something. It's I, I was my brother told me it's six hundred an hour minimum six hours. And I okay, so do, at least one, like um, you know, know four one. grand probably if you tip somebody yeah. to do that. Um, but if you could do every ride in six hours and you have the money to do that, definitely seems like it would be a cool thing to do. Oh, for sure. I know. I sit on most of the rides. I just don't sit on Space Mountain, which kind of blows because that's my favorite one. I mean, I like roller coasters, but um, I think just for the kids, just to do it once. Like, why? Why have money if you can't do cool things from time to time? No, I agree completely. Did you go to both the parks there or just Disneyland? No, just Disneyland. I mean, look, my, my son's only age 42 inches, so he doesn't fit on all the rides. But, you yeah. know, it's the first time it, it was the first time at a big park, so we went on, went on the, with those little rockets that go around. I went Buzz Lightyear. Um, we did uh, Monterey. I was, I'll tell you what, I'm very disappointed with Toontown. I thought it would be um, – like more to do. Instead, it's just it's just a zillion kids running everywhere with their parents like running behind them. By the way, can we talk about this? Look, I understand your kids like to run away from you. My daughter is mischievous. You you, you turn your back and she is gone. I don't understand the leash thing. Like oh, the leash thing watch, is bull- just, wa- just watch just watch your kids, man. Like that's your job. You're the parent. Watch the kids. Like if you if your daughter or son, my daughter runs away, like. That's your job as a parent to reel them back in and like, make sure they don't do that. Like, just just don't just pay attention to your kids. It's an amusement park. Yeah, the leash thing also seems like it could be a disaster. Like, I've never done the leash, but also like you could trip somebody on your leash, and it's funny just to see the kid like get yanked like a dog on a leash. Like, it's pretty crazy to do in general. Did you stay at the Legoland Hotel by the way, out in Legoland? No, I'm I'm in Carlsbad at a uh, at my parents' timeshare. Uh, uh, but no, we're we're ten minutes from Legoland. We have not stayed there. We have not stayed at the resort. The, is it nice? Oh, it's uh, like I liked Legoland a lot more than I liked Disneyland. When we took our trip and we went to Disneyland, and then we kept driving down uh, in Southern California to Legoland. If you stay at the Legoland Resort, 
there. I haven't been to the one in Orlando, but I've been to the one in uh, in Southern California. It is unbelievable how awesome it is. Um, I mean, you are literally like the door opens and you're basically in the park. So, uh, I mean, it's 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 easy to get in and out of. I love the Legoland concept because you have to have kids to get in Legoland. My kids absolutely loved it. The lines were short. There were no just adults there without kids, which obviously is very common at Disney World and Disneyland. Um, and if you stay at the hotel, I mean, it was such a relaxing trip because once you get there and park, you don't have to move again. Um, and you literally just open the door to your place. And they have all these – the rooms are awesome. Uh, the kids, if they like Legos, I mean, it's so incredibly well done. I mean, I, like we're not getting paid for this, but if you are right. listening right now and you've been thinking like, hey, I'm, my, my kids might like Legoland, I haven't been, like I said, to the one in Orlando, although, although I think we're going to go soon. But the one in uh, the one in Southern California, my kids just absolutely loved every moment of it. I mean, it's spectacularly designed. We got to do. Do you get into the park early, like you do Disney? Yeah, like you stay at the hotel? I think I think you yeah, did get cool. a little bit early, and that's cool too. Like if you stay on the Disney properties, you get an hour in- entrance early. I think is what they do. The magic hours, yeah. they call it. Uh, I'm way too much of an expert on this. All right, so we've broken down uh, all the family parks. What did you think about uh, the NFL draft in general? Are you a believer? in Baker Mayfield as being worthy of the overall number one pick? Oh, man. I, I, I would have gone with Sam Darnold. I would have gone with Josh Rosen. Quite honestly. I mean, you know, the story came out the other day from I think, the Browns' uh, personnel director that he didn't like Josh Rosen because the volleyball coach would tell him about Josh It was a very odd story, and that's the reason why that's ridiculous. Look, the Browns were in a situation and wanted to take the quarterback they wanted. They wanted Baker Mayfield. If you look at the history of John Dorsey and where he's been, that's the quarterback he's wanted, uh, or he's been he's seen, right? Brett Favre uh, in, in Green Bay, right? Gunslinger. Um, he just drafted Pat Mahomes in, in Kansas City uh, to replace Alex Smith. And a lot of that was Andy Reid, too. But, you know, Baker Mayfield fits that mold of quarterback, kind of a gunslinger. Uh, he's got some personality in him, playing the air raid offense, which is what Pat Mahomes played in at Texas Tech. Um, it, it doesn't surprise me that they chose him. He's got a lot. He's got a lot on his plate now in Cleveland. Um, the attitude is not, to me has never really been a problem. Um, but we'll see how he transitions to playing in the NFL, playing in the pro offense. We have not seen much uh, success from these air raid quarterbacks. Um, you know, the the idea that his confidence is or his personality is just so much greater than Sam Darnold's off the field. I don't really think that matters. I think it matters how you play on the field. We saw Sam Darnold as a 19-year-old uh, light up Penn State in the Rose Bowl. So, um, to me, it matters more what you do on the field, which is, again, the, why Josh Rosen dropped the 10, which is, I think Arizona had, had the best draft. I mean, they, they got to, to trade up to draft a quarterback at 10. Who's the best passer now? He's the best passer in this in this draft as of this moment. And he could be the best overall quarterback in this draft as well. They drafted him and Christian Kirk and, and, and had Fitzgerald there as well. I wouldn't be surprised if, if Larry Fitzgerald spent extra year in the NFL to play with Josh Rosen. Um, so I, I was I was excited where, where those guys went. And the Jets with Sam Darnold, man, they got a huge steal at three. They, they were sitting there training up to three, probably thinking they'd end up with Mayfield or Josh Allen. And they get the best quarterback in the draft, like, like they're, they're, the the funny thing is, we basically said all along, if you talk to any of the scouts, that Sam Darnold was a, was number one quarterback, and we changed our opinion based on personality. Um, which I don't know. I I, I played with quarterbacks like Eli Manning, who everyone looked at him and was like, he has no person. He does, but you know, I played with Alex Smith, who's not a fiery leader, but he gets the job done. Um, I want a quarterback who gets the job done. 
Yeah, we all do, especially if you have a team with no quarterback at all. We're talking to Jeff Schwartz. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Jeff Schwartz, and uh, he is out in Southern California on a family vacation talking with us early in the morning on Friday. Appreciate him getting up with us. When you hear all the controversy surrounding Brady and, uh, and Belichick, are you buying into this could be a significant factor in next season, or do you think this is just the off-season drama? How does this self-resolve itself? Is there any way to resolve the conflict between the two? Uh, it's probably just a little bit of off-season drama uh, combined with there's a little bit of strife. I think when you when you don't win and you have a coach who's who's kind of a stickler like like Belichick doesn't play over well, and I get Tom Brady wanting a little bit more you know respect. I think a lot of people assume that. Their dynasty is more like Belichick related than maybe Tom Brady related, right? If you separate the two, who would succeed more? Actually, Belichick would probably succeed more uh, than Brady. But uh, he wants—he just wants some, some some respect. I think if you if there actually was some strife, I think you would have seen them draft a quarterback. Yeah, they they they, they, they don't they didn't draft one. I mean, they had opportunity to trade up in the first round and get a Josh Rosen. Uh, possibly, and you know they obviously passed on that and ended up building up their roster. They built up their roster in the draft like they needed to to make another run at this. They drafted a left tackle, a playmaker, a defensive back. They they addressed all the needs that they, they had on their team. So I think it's a, it's a, it's much to do about nothing. Training camp will roll around. Everything will be fine. And they're I think they're the favorites to win the Super Bowl right now. So um, it's just uh, just all season like usual. What do you think about Jason Witten retiring from football and going straight into the booth Monday Night Football? Man, I, I should have played for Dallas. I would. I have yeah. my own. I have my own job calling games right now. Um, I haven't heard him talk very much. I have no idea how he's going to do. Um, you know, we see a lot of quarterbacks do well because quarterbacks, you know, they're required to talk to the media three times a week. They have to be in these production meetings all the time. I mean, executives get to know them, and obviously, we've seen a track record of. Ex Dallas Cowboys in this role and do well as Aikman or Moose Johnson or or Romo or there's other there's another Michael Irvin is NFL Network's you know basically top personality and so there are six guys that I can think of right now Aikman Daryl Moose Johnson uh, Tony Romo Jason Witten Deion Sanders and Michael Irvin who all I think are prominently kind of thought of as Cowboys and I think most of those guys only really kind of played with the Cowboys Dion obviously played with multiple teams yeah. but I think most of them are kind of in your head you think of them when you think of them immediately you think of them in a Cowboy yeah. uniform I think Dion's probably the only guy you can even think of them wearing a different uniform you can remember Dion with the Redskins Dion with the Falcons Dion with the 49ers he obviously jumped around a bunch of different teams but other than that I still think of people most of the time thinking of him as a cowboy I think so too and even as a Niner fan I mean he just basically was for hire for a year and ended up putting a Super Bowl with the 49ers look I mean this is a big this is a big important role because Monday Night football is transitioning you know they're they uh, Joe Tessitore is taking over, which I think he's great in college. I just don't know how he'll do in the NFL. Right? We haven't heard his voice calling an NFL game before. Now we have Jason Witten. I do wonder if they're going to go with a three-man booth, which which could maybe ease um, Jason Witten into this. Because, look, Romo had <coughs> excuse me, plenty of opportunities to work last year. He had the Thursday night game as well to continue to improve and get reps in. Um, so we'll see how this ends up working. I, I don't see why... It wouldn't work. I just I don't know much about Jason Wynn. I haven't heard him talk very much. Um, and so I'm sure he's outspoken. I'm sure that he's ready for this gig. And, and look, if I was in my, whatever, 15th year and my team prospects didn't look very good at ESPN wanted to pay me $5 million, I'd probably walk away too. You know, the Cowboys, by the way, 
they have done the least of any team recently with a quarterback on a great contract. I mean, look at the Rams, the Eagles, the Seahawks from a couple years ago. Um, all went all in with a quarterback on their rookie contract. The Cowboys have done none of that. They have a terrible roster with with a quarterback who's young. Like if you can't have that. You you just can't do that um, with with a young quarterback. You, you, it's just it's. I don't know what Dallas is doing. Uh, we got into a debate yesterday about lions. Uh, we had an attack by, on a, by a lion on a man. How long would you have to be dating a girl to try to save her from a lion attack? That's a good question. I mean, should, shouldn't the chivalrous thing be that you always try to save her? That's one argument. How long, That's one argument. How long, how long you've been dating her? Um, yeah, wow. I would probably jump in there. Even if it just was anyone, I probably would feel like I should jump in there and try to do something. I mean, unless the lion already has the person by the neck and just tear their, their neck apart. I mean, I feel like as a decent human, you try to do something. I don't know what I would do, but I don't think it would matter how long I was dating someone. If I was on a date with someone and a lion attacked her, I'd probably would try to go save her. Final question, big debate. Have you ever seen an olive garden in a bad neighborhood? <laughs> um, I don't even know. I've been in Olive Garden in so long. Um, I, I, I don't know. Probably not. I would okay. say no. I think that's a safe bet. Jeff Schwartz uh, with us. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us. Have a good rest of the family vacation. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs> Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Let's go up to New York City where I think it was like 90 degrees yesterday. Uh, No spring at all. Just jumped right from like 55 and a little bit rainy, 60 to 90. Is that right, Casey? Did it hit 90 degrees in New York City yesterday? Yeah, it did. It was not the weather app, and I thought I had Texas and then I outside and started sweating immediately and realized that I had gone from having to wear really thick coats to shorts and tank tops in the matter of two days. I don't know why I'm surprised, though. It was like that in Boston last year. So uh, welcome to New York City, I guess. So what's your plan this morning? You're about to hop on the train and head back up to Boston, which is uh, trying to win both the NHL Stanley Cup and the uh, NBA title, the only uh, city that's still arrive, uh, alive in both. Um, what, uh, which one do you think people are alive? Are the Celtics by far the bigger story right now, you think, in Boston in terms of uh, them versus the Bruins? Yeah, I think that it's more surprising where the Celtics are right now just because with Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward injured, uh, that people didn't necessarily expect the Celtics to look this could maybe not even get out of the first round, but now they're making Philadelphia look ridiculous, which is very surprising, I think, to a lot of people because the 76ers arguably were the best team coming out of the East going into the playoffs because you didn't know what the Cavs were going to look like. But the Bruins have had hype around them all season, so it's kind of expected for them to be there. But the, what the Celtics are doing right now is crazy when you look at how they've made Philadelphia look the last couple of games. Okay, so you let's let's dive out of the out of the NBA and the NHL for a minute. You're a huge Dallas Cowboy fan. Do you feel like it's officially the end of an era now? Romo going and leaving was one thing. Then you lose Des Bryant and then you lose Jason Witten. Does this feel like turning the page now? It is officially Dak and Ezekiel Elliott's team. And how excited are you? How disappointed are you over the way? the previous kind of era ended and uh, looking forward, do you think there's any possibility this era will be as successful, at least in the regular season, as the last one was? Well, it's definitely the new era from the player's standpoint, but the problem is is that Jason Garrett's still the head coach. And I'm not yeah. trying to disrespect the guy, but when you look at the talent that the Cowboys had and some of those guys you just mentioned, 
And then the fact that Jason Garrett couldn't get it done with Tony Romo, and I think it was a chicken and an egg situation because I'm not a huge Tony Romo person. But at the same time, you still have Jason Garrett there. Jerry is so blindly loyal to him that until that gets figured out, unless for some reason he works better with Dak Prescott than he did with Tony Romo, I can't say that it's turning the page yet. It's kind of bizarre that he's still there, to be honest, especially as a Cowboys fan who's like, okay, everything needs to change because if you had all of those guys on the roster in Dallas and couldn't win more than a couple of playoff games, they're not the only problem on the roster. What about Dak? I mean, I haven't heard a lot of discussion about this, but Dak Prescott's security blanket, I would say, in the first couple of years, and the security blanket for a long time for Tony Romo, too, was Jason Witten. And then, obviously, uh, Des Bryant had the ability at least to put fear into defenses for a little while in the Dak Prescott era. How optimistic should Cowboy fans be about him as he comes back for year three? They were wildly optimistic after year one going into year two. I think it's fair to say he probably took a step back in year two. What are reasonable expectations for year three, given what he's losing in terms of the long-term success of the Dallas Cowboys? I definitely think going into last season, he was overhyped. And I'm saying that very lightly because I really like Dak Prescott. I've liked him since he was at Mississippi State, covered him when I was with the SEC Network. But last year, it was like the expectations were so high. He was getting ranked in like the top 15 players in the NFL by NFL players, which was asinine because you were going off of one year. And then last year, you can make the excuse and you can look at it and say, okay, without Ezekiel Elliott for a lot of the season, it is difficult to know exactly how good that team could be. I think it's somewhere in the middle. I don't think that they're going to look near as bad as they did last year a lot of times, and I don't think he's going to look as great as he did his first year. But eventually I do think he's a franchise quarterback for Dallas. I really do. I could be completely blind to that just because I like the guy and I think he's talented, but I think the expectations should be somewhere in the middle this upcoming season. Will you watch the Derby tomorrow? Oh, yeah. And dress and, up for it, too. So you're going to be in Boston. Like, what's your – I'm going to a Kentucky Derby party. I think a lot of people go to Kentucky Derby parties. So you're going to be dressed up for it somewhere in Boston going to the – do you know anything about the horses that are avail- that are running in the race, like, at all? Because my contention is there's nothing in the world of sports that your average person does more than watch the Kentucky Derby that they know less about. I know nothing about what's going on. I've been to the Derby. I think it's a fantastic time. I like to drink. I like to hang out and everything else. Do you know anything at all about the horses that are actually running in the Kentucky Derby? Absolutely not. And this is one of those things where I can admit it and be 100% comfortable and say I have no idea. I never know. Every year I just show up at Kentucky Derby parties with the dress and the hat and whatever. And it usually falls around Cinco de Mayo, if not on Cinco de Mayo. Yeah, it's going to be an ugly day. Yeah, it is. So the party that I'm going to tomorrow, the option is you can either come dressed in seersucker suits and derby attire, or you can dress up for Cinco de Mayo, and bathing suits may or may not be uh, optional. Like, you can come in a bathing suit and a sombrero if you want. So the outfit array is going to be crazy. Like, I don't even know what to expect to go from Kentucky Derby outfits to bikinis and sombreros, but it sounds like a good time. So how do you balance out the day? That's a great question because there's a lot of people listening to us today who are going to be like, I'm going, I got a, we got a big weekend. We're going to Foo Fighters or coming to Nashville. So we're going to go see Foo, the Foo Fighters tonight. And then tomorrow we're going to the Derby. And then I think I'm going to go to the Preds game at 8.30 Central Time, 9.30 Eastern against the, uh, against the Winnipeg Jets. But you got to balance your day because if you drink too much at the Derby, like, it's an early start, relatively speaking, for a lot of these derby parties. Cinco de Mayo goes on a lot longer. Like, this is a, this is kind of a, a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah, it is. And then the NBA playoffs are at night, too. So if your team is playing, you want to pay attention. 
Um, I'm going to be honest. I'm really bad at balancing day drinking. I'm in my late 20s and still haven't figured it out. Like day drinking to me is so much fun that it is a sprint early on at brunch and then it just kind of falls downhill from there. So I fully expect that to happen tomorrow. But when you talk about needing to, I mean, you, you've got a full weekend. So if you're going to go to the hockey game tomorrow, you've got to be coherent. I don't know if you can have as much fun watching the Derby as most people would if they don't have to go somewhere tomorrow night. Yeah, I mean, that's the balancing act. I've also got to coach Little League Baseball early on Saturday morning, so i got to be careful with the uh, with the Foo Fighters in general because uh, I think that's going to be a pretty awesome uh, concert, too. Um, all right, so you got into a debate the other day, and I asked my wife this, and I think it's an incredible debate. You were uh, – well, tell people what your debate was. Okay, so I put out a blog yesterday on Barstool saying that if I had to pick somebody who I thought was universally loved by men and women alike, that it was an easy answer for me. It was Justin Timberlake. He's a triple threat. Uh, women love him. Men love him. Men want to be him. Women want to be with him. The whole thing. And then on radio, I got totally owned because I was told that The Rock is a better answer. And the problem was is mostly guys called in to defend The Rock, and I kept trying to go back and say, listen, I understand guys love The Rock, but guys also love Justin Timberlake, and I would make the argument that more women love Justin Timberlake than The Rock. I like both, but I would still put Justin Timberlake above that. And people were owning my whole life calling me. They were so pissed that I took that stance, and I just don't think it's a crazy stance to take. Justin, everybody loves Justin Timberlake. We're going to Justin Timberlake on Wednesday of next week. He's performing in Jealous. Nashville. And so he is, uh, he is like, he lives here part of the time now. I mean, I'm sure he's got 10 homes, but he's around uh, the city of Nashville quite a bit. I asked my wife this, and, uh, and she's going to also pile on. She says The Rock is a lot more desirable than Justin Timberlake. And uh, I, I, it's a great question. Like, which of, like, I think those are two spectacular nominations. Can you think, like, did you even contemplate anybody else outside of those? Because I can see a Clooney, I can see a Denzel Washington, but they're getting older in terms of their universal appeal. The Rock has been around a long time, but I think The Rock is more universally beloved than Justin Timberlake. Like I think if women could draft the ideal man, by the way, you're going to get hit by a cab there. If women yeah, could draft, I'm in Manhattan, so you yeah. never know what's going to happen. I apologize. <laughs> if women could draft the ideal man, I think The Rock would be the number one draft pick right now. I think Justin Timberlake might be well be number two. What athlete would be – I mean, let's take The Rock out as an athlete. What other athlete would be – Brady? I would say Tom Brady probably. Uh, I don't see – and the, the hard thing with me yesterday when we were having this argument, and it got electrically explosive. Like Everybody was yelling at each other. This was one of those arguments nobody had any idea was going to go that far, but everybody was making their case. If you talk about right now, I understand The Rock is like super popular right now. My argument is if you took – Everything that Justin Timberlake has done over his career and everything The Rock has done, both are very desirable, but that Justin Timberlake has been more desirable to both for a longer period of time. Because I, I think The Rock is super sexy, absolutely would love to be with The Rock, but I'm talking like Justin Timberlake back in NSYNC days. It might be my age, too. That might be, have something to do with it, but the whole wrestling thing isn't near as appealing to me as the Justin Timberlake with Britney Spears era. So that's where I was coming from. But as far as athletes, I mean, I guess you could look at at Tiger Woods before the whole thing blew up in his face, maybe he would be one of those guys, but obviously not now. So maybe Tom Brady would be the number one. Yeah, guy. but I don't think anybody was ever like, oh, Tiger Woods is sexy. Like, I think people see The Rock and they see Justin Timberlake and they see Tom Brady as sexy. I think Tiger Woods was like, you know, kind of a likable athlete, but I don't think anybody was like, oh, I'd love to go out, you know, like on a date with Tiger Woods. I mean, I think he's kind of, he seems kind of socially awkward. 
Uh, yeah, and, that's, and, a, that's a good point. But, I and, mean, guys wanted to be Tiger Woods at one point, right? Like I, when he was married to Elon and all that stuff. But you're right. From a, from a girl standpoint, they didn't have the, he doesn't have the same appeal as those other guys do. So you said you're going to a derby party. Uh, you're hopping on the train. So first of all, what is your train move going to be? Like you're on the train. What will you do the entire train ride? Will you sleep? Will you like, you know, what, what, what is your go-to move on the train in terms of the way you pass your time? I normally try to sleep. However, I woke up this morning and there's some girl that's going after one of my coworkers at Barstool. And I, as you well know, whenever you rile up an internet mob, and everybody starts going, the attitudes start flaring. And so before 6 o'clock in the morning, I was already trying to body bag people on the Internet. So I have a, an assumption that I'll probably be trying to do that the entire train ride, which Just is ridiculous because hang- it's, it's social media, but that's the world we live in. So unless I can calm down, I won't be sleeping very much. All right, so on the, uh, on the, the, the activities tomorrow, Kentucky Derby. What about the uh, what about the NHL versus the NBA? Is it just like I, I think it's a bit. I mean, this is a big weekend for sports in general. I think the first round of the NBA and the NHL playoffs. There's so much going on that I feel like a lot of people are not aware of the overall conference standings and the and the the, the different uh, playoff series and how they're breaking down. Is Kentucky Derby for you far and above everything else on Saturday just because of the event surrounding it? Or would you rather, if you had to pick, would you rather watch the Derby or watch the NBA or the NHL? I'd rather watch the NBA because I like basketball the most. I do think the Stanley Cup playoffs are wildly entertaining, even if you're not a big hockey fan. But because it's the event around the Kentucky Derby, it does take precedent tomorrow. But at the same time, the NBA playoffs, I'm still going to have to watch. Whether I remember watching them or not is yet to be seen. But I love basketball so i'm gonna watch it the hockey might take a back seat tomorrow but i will say as somebody growing up in texas not a big hockey fan uh, i love watching the stanley cup playoffs i don't get totally involved with a specific team uh, I, if dallas was in it i would but they stink uh but I, basketball would have to be far above anything else tomorrow even though i'm going to be dressed as a derby person tomorrow all right so may the 4th is today uh we haven't yes. talked about it yet on the show but are you a star wars person at all I'm not. I know that's very unpopular for this show, but I am not. I think I've only seen the original one maybe two or three times my entire life, and that's it. So you haven't even seen all the Star Wars movies? No, I haven't. I This is a like conscious decision that you've made to not watch the Star Wars movies because they're such cultural icons. Why have you not watched them? Like, wh- At what point did you make a decision that I just am not interested in watching these? I think that when I was growing up, it wasn't like a big thing for my parents, maybe. Like, my dad wasn't big into Star Wars, so I never watched the, the older ones, other than, like I said, the original. So I just never felt the need to see the new ones now. I don't go to movies either, which is something that a lot of millennials don't want to do. But I, it's not that I've said I'm not going to watch it. I just really haven't had the opportunity to watch Nobody I've dated recently likes it either, so it kind of takes that off the table, I guess. But uh, uh, if I should watch it, I'll watch it. I think also this is going to invalidate your Justin Timberlake take for a lot of people because on May the 4th, which is, by the way, a brilliant day that they have basically designed, my boys expect gifts now on May the 4th because of Star Wars Day that they have created this is spectacular. I know you got to go catch a uh, train, have fun in, uh, in Boston this weekend, enjoy the Derby and everything else, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Clay. Have fun tomorrow. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. We got Jason Whitlock with us at Whitlock Jason. Saw his segment yesterday uh, on Speak for Yourself, and I said, man, this is great for radio. Also should be a book. 
But I want to start, uh, and I'm continuing to press him on the fact that he needs to write this as a book. I want to start before you get into your overall thesis, which I think is going to blow people's minds, and they need to be uh, ready to uh, to be educated here to start the day. Thanks for getting up early with us out in L.A. Uh, your story, where were you when you signed your scholarship to go to Ball State? Uh, me and my dad were living in Indianapolis in a you know, one bedroom, 400 square foot apartment in, you know, in the hood in Indianapolis. Uh, you know, we were on our ass. My, my father, small businessman, uh, had had his business shut down. And, you know, we were, you know, we were at the bottom. We were in poverty, no question about it. Where would you have been if football didn't exist? Where would you be right now if you had not had the opportunity to play football? I, I certainly, I don't think I ever would have went to college. I, you know, I was a good high school student. Not even, you know, I probably graduated high school with a 2.8, 2.9. I think I scored around a 900 on the SAT. I, I was no one's. You know, great student, no colleges were after me. And I certainly wasn't in a position where my parents were going to send me to college. And so I probably would have eventually started working at my dad's bar because eventually he reopened another bar. Uh, and so I would have followed in my dad's footsteps and probably been some kind of uh, entrepreneur, uh, you know, in, in Indianapolis a small business entrepreneur in, in, you know, in the black community. That's probably the lane I would have gone. I would have never gone to college. Uh, but football provided me that opportunity. I was, you know, a hell of a high school athlete. And, you know, football provided me a pathway to college and to elevate my status uh, in America. And, I, you know, a lot of my friends, uh, from college and just, you know, knowing a lot of athletes have traveled a similar path. Uh, you know, football was our opportunity to elevate. This is why I think you need to write the book. Uh, and, and I've got a book coming out in September, and it touches a little bit on this, but I think your story is really compelling, and you made it really cogently. You can go check the the essay that Jason did uh, on uh, my Twitter feed, certainly at his Twitter feed as well, at WhitlockJason. But you make a really persuasive case that what has advanced the status of black Americans in uh, in America is sports more so than almost anything else. Make your case for people out there. We have no historical knowledge as a country. This is a problem in general. We also don't have that much of a historical knowledge about sports in general either. Everything is so immediate nowadays that kids have to react to the latest LeBron James game every single time. Make your case for why sports has led to the full flourishment of black people in America. Well, you know, I think since the Civil War uh, and, and post-Civil War is when the rise of sports became very important in America. For It started with prize fighting and boxing and then it baseball and and then eventually basketball, football, and other things. Sports play such an important role in American society. And if you really understand the history of sports and the history of black America, the first 
black national hero where all of America was like, oh, man, that black dude did something great, and we're going to celebrate it the entire country. You could have been the biggest bigot in the world, but when Jesse Owens went to Berlin in 1936 and embarrassed Hitler and dominated those Olympics, he became a national hero. And that was the first time that a black man was across the board a national hero in America. Two years later, Joe Lewis in 1938 has a rematch with Max Schmeling, the German boxer, biggest, most important fight, I believe, in boxing history. Joe Lewis knocks him out in the first round. Another blow to Hitler and white supremacy, and Joe Lewis becomes a national hero that all of America celebrates. These are the first steps in opening America's mind to the possibility like, oh, man, black people can be a major part of our success story. And then you come a few years later, nine years later, 1947, uh, the the uh, Brooklyn Dodgers and Branch Rickey, they signed Jackie Robinson, and he integrates Major League Baseball, which at this time, Major League Baseball is America's national pastime. And, ja- and Jackie Robinson opened black people's mind and inspired black people to start the civil rights movement in the 1950s and 60s. We don't fully understand the importance of sports and America's love of athletes and what that does in terms of opening people's minds to uh, to minorities and to black people and our struggle and 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 it I tie those three events together with America going and some people in America uh saying you know what America would be better if we allowed black people to participate in our democracy in in full and so i i I, i'm not suggesting that those guys are more important than martin luther king and but those guys inspired martin luther king and if we fully understood the role of sports and what it has done for us as african-americans I think we would have more reverence for it, and I think we would be more protective of it. Because I I, I look at African Americans right now, and there's this growing narrative that football and the NFL is evil and racist, and, oh, my God, Colin Kaepernick can't find a job, therefore we hate football. And I'm like, whoa, 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 (laughs) wait a minute. When you understand, because guys like me and the overwhelming majority of people who play football never get a whiff of a professional career, and they're like me. It, it, it you have a chance at the Division One, Two, Three level to get transported to a college campus and have your life transformed from that day forward, whether you play in the NFL or not. It sparked my journalism career. And my journalism career in the lane of sports has allowed me to do things for my family that I never would have been able to do, to do things for the church that I grew up in in Indianapolis that I would have never been able to do without sports. And so I'm looking at us as, as, as black people and just like I want to question 
you we're all into particularly young people what they call the culture and 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 we're very defensive of the culture this loosely defined collective voice over social media that is you know super woke and and the culture is the greatest thing and my argument is like no 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 sports culture is so far superior and helpful to us as black people. We need to have more respect and be more protective of that. We can't allow Colin Kaepernick, Eric Reed to tear down football and to go to war with football when football has been so beneficial to us. And and so th- there's a much larger war, in my opinion, going on against football than just Kaepernick. And and I think as African Americans, we need to be in tune with that and and, and really decide do we really want to see football torn down less opportunities in football when there's so many black boys growing up without fathers and we don't seem to understand that football puts men in their lives and leaders in their lives and role models i know so many guys that would have never made it through high school if not for football football was their interest in going to school i know guys like me that went off to college and it was really driven by football. And then over the course of five years, I was educated and really got an understanding of the importance of a higher education, learned a skill, learned a profession. And it, when I moved into an adulthood, that's when I really, really appreciated my college opportunity and what it's done for me. But football was the key in getting me there. I know you said so much there, uh, and again, I would encourage you guys to go watch this uh, this segment that uh, that Whitlock did on uh, Speak for Yourself. Really intelligent discussion. When I hear all of this, what I think too as well, I think there is a war on football going on. I think there's a certain segment of the population out there, and I think it's more expansive than just football too. I think masculinity yep. to a certain extent is under siege. Um, and no I think there are lots of people that see anything hyper-masculine as bad. And I think football is hyper-masculine, right? I mean, I think for, for everybody out there who's watching us right now, one of the reasons you like it is because it is a, a sport played by the toughest, baddest guys out there. I think hockey has a certain element of that, too. I think in general, masculinity is under siege. Why do you think masculinity is under siege? And I think I think you're right that football is a huge part of that. I think it's a way that they are trying. Like, I've been arguing this for a long time. The people defending Colin Kaepernick the most, they don't like football. Go look at those protests. There is no way on earth that the people who are showing up protesting Colin Kaepernick really are going to sit down and watch football all day on Sunday. They are activists using football as an opportunity to make the case that they care about. Why do you think manhood in many ways is under siege right now? Well, I think globally, not just in America, uh, women are justifiably rising up and want better treatment and want a better opportunity. I, I get it. But I don't think the solution is the destruction of man. I think the solution is for man to be more in tune with uh, what we've done to women to make them feel 
like they're not full participants in our, in, in our society, and we need to make room for them. But they also need to make and make sure that in allowing them in uh, our full participation uh, in the global society, that they allow room for us to continue to be men. And so I get the feminist movement and why uh, it feels like women globally have been treated really unfairly. I just think we've gone a little bit overboard with the solution, and we need to find a way. That, there's a lot of talk about toxic masculinity, and so I would like to have a discussion about how can be how can we be responsibly masculine. I don't want the destruction of masculinity. I want it to be more responsible and less abusive and less predatory towards non-masculine people. But I think right now we're at a point where masculinity is trying to be destroyed, and I think it's hard. And, you know, I think that it leads to a counter-movement of hyper-masculinity, and that's why I believe we have a reality television star in the White House right now who is hyper-masculine. I think it's why rap music, which is cartoonishly masculine, I think it's why it's so popular, because if you try to destroy masculinity, there's, there's always going to be an equal and opposite reaction to whatever is done. And so people then become attracted to hyper-masculinity because it's under attack. So, again, I think I get why masculinity is being attacked. I don't agree with it. I think we need to move towards responsible masculinity. And I think that we as black men in particular... And this is why I'm just so defensive about football. Football has been such a great path for us that I'm very worried about football being destroyed and taken away from kids. And, you know, you can only play it once you're 14. Well, you can lose kids. And, again, so many kids are attracted to education and being in school and uh, just the, the physical participation, the exercise of being in football, so many benefits for kids being involved in football that I'm very concerned if we take it away and you can only play it at age 14. We're going to lose so many kids before the age of 14 that never have that male role model and never get that responsible person that's leading them. We're just going to lose too many kids if we just wash football away. This is outstanding. Uh, Jason Whitlock, uh, thank you for getting up so early with us. Uh, we blew through a break because I wanted to make sure we got all this in. Uh, and uh, I appreciate you getting up with us. And uh, and uh, people can find you on Twitter at Whitlock. Jason, we'll talk to you again next week, I'm sure. Have a great weekend. And uh, thank you for preaching this morning. Thank you. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare hey it's jonas knox all right game off we got to pause here to talk more about monopoly go i know what you're saying flag on the play you already talked about that but there's just so much good stuff in this game in monopoly go you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards the more you win together the more awesome prizes you unlock and there's so much to get unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini games like Digging for Treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on!